0: Hey guys, here we are, the Quiggin' Out MMA podcast, and as you can see, if you're watching, I'm joined by the 21st century John L. Sullivan, better known to anybody else as Tom Shaw. How we doing, man?
1: I am doing fantastic. How are you, Mr. Quiggins?
0: Not too bad. Um, I'm not going to lie, I had to look up who that
1: was. (laughs) (laughs) Just because I was like, I feel like I should know a little bit about him, you know considering your history with bare knuckle fighting you're forgiven
0: (laughs) oh okay fair fair enough fair enough so here we are almost a year to the day of your bkfc fight with julian lane which was painful to listen to and amazing to watch so kind of walk me through like what you remember about that night and you know how it's kind of you know kind of changed because it changed your life you know that's a fight people don't
1: forget Absolutely. You know, um, that fight was, that was one of those fights that, uh, looking back on it was one of those fights that I probably never should have taken. Um, but like you said, it was, it, it kind of put me above. It, it, it was a fight to remember. It, it, it was something that turned out to be, even though I lost, it was glorious in all fashions. Um, I went up in weight and I met Julian at 170, um, and he was just the bigger, stronger guy. That was the long and the short of it. He came out like Julian comes out, and uh, he caught me early in the first, and uh, then he caught me again, and it was an uphill battle after that, and I spent every second of the remaining four and a half rounds trying to battle back and get into a good position where I looked like I was in position to win, and then we ran out of time. And those, um, those two-minute the minute rounds, fight. they fly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those two-minute rounds are it, – it's one of those crazy situations where when you're in – because I, I obviously have an MMA background. So I come from much longer rounds, and you never realize how long five minutes is until you're in a, a, a professional MMA fight. It's almost the exact opposite with with the bare knuckle fights because you're in there and it's two minutes and that round's over and you're like, like what? How how was <laughs> that round just over? Like I barely just broke a sweat. Like what's going on here? Um, so it forces pace, it forces action, and I enjoy it, man. I I thoroughly enjoyed all three of my experiences with BKFC.
0: So going with that, and I think the two minute rounds. Do you feel like that was kind of like a disadvantage coming from the MMA background? because like you said, you know, there's so many fighters who kind of like take that first couple minutes sometimes to get into it right. and like at that point you're already down a round.
1: Precisely. You know, and that's kind of that's kind of a problem that I have is I I I take a couple minutes and I feel out the fighter and because of that MMA background, I know that I've got, you know, a five minute round where I can kind of work and flow and move and get a fighter figured out. You don't have that luxury in bare knuckle. Um, you know, you've got two minutes and you start from, from the scratch lines and you got to go. Um, so I would say that that definitely was a wake up for me. Um, because I do start slow typically, you know? Um, so for, so for me to reflect over the last year uh, on how things went and how I could have performed better, that was definitely one of the things that I've been working on um, while I'm training is is not warming up to the fight, not warming up the first round, just being ready and going out there and ready to go from the first bell. Um, yeah, it was definitely a wake-up call for me. Well, and I can't
0: imagine. Like you said, going up in weight class typically doesn't go so well. Um, you know, we see a lot of times right. where – You know, you're just not used to the extra weight or you've got a guy who is used to it and, you know, it kind of plays out Mm -hmm. a different scenario. So what made you want to take that fight with Julian and, you know, make that decision to go up? Was it just taking that fight? Um,
1: You know, it was kind of twofold. One, it's Julian Lane, you know, like Julian, like Julian Lane, you know, like everybody, everybody knows Julian Lane, you know. So it was one of those situations where, you know, when they offered me the fight. Like the name alone is like, yeah, like that's something I would absolutely be interested in. Um, but then when they said 170, you know, I walk around about 170, mm-hmm. one between 170 and 175. So for me, it was it was it was great. You know, I was like, this is awesome. I don't have to cut weight. You know, I can just keep my cardio up, train the way that I normally train. I'll be ready. I'll be good to go. But I I fucked up because I I knew going into the fight that I was going to be the faster man. Um, but while I was training for the fight, I knew I was going to be the weaker guy. So a lot of my strength and conditioning wasn't so much conditioning; it was strength. Mm-hmm. So I was far slower than I had anticipated going into the fight, and you add on top of the fact that I start slow to begin with, and it was just it w- it was a recipe for disaster. uh But the, to bring this full circle back to your to your question. Uh, the the reason that I went up in weight and the reason that it all made sense for me was because I walk around about 170 pounds and it was Julian fucking Lane. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take that fight absolutely. You know that's that's the type of fight that that I want to take. Um, if you followed any of my professional career, which not a lot of people have, so don't mm-hmm. feel bad. Um, mm-hmm. But I actually have. I've got 13 career wins, and I have 14 career performance bonuses. I put on exciting fights. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, like even when I lose, you know, we get bonuses. You know, so it's just it's one of those situations that I I wanted a fight like that on my resume because all of my fights on my resume are like that. So it only made sense.
0: And, and that does make sense. And that being, you know, we talked about this. That was the first time I had ever experienced bare knuckle, um, I really wasn't sure how I was going to feel about it, just because it is that raw, it is that, you know, primal. Um, Absolutely, and, yeah, and, no doubt about it. And being somebody who's watched the sport now for 12 years, I had never seen anything like it, and I remember sitting there in Tampa, or Plant City, whatever they want to call it, the fairgrounds. <laughs> I remember sitting there and hearing one of the first punches land on a skull, and I was like, that was horrific. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Um, And I mean, I can watch, but at the same time, like, Frank Mir breaking Noguera's arm, I can watch that a thousand times, and it still gives me the same reaction. And that's how I felt every single time I heard a punch land. Um, Goodness gracious. And that was just like it's it's crazy really to think about it because the two minutes you know the way it works um i honestly i didn't think tampa was going to be a good venue to bring bare knuckle and it did amazing Uh, it did
1: tremendously man you know they've got a lot of really tough guys in that south florida area and florida in general um everybody knows about like Kembo Slice and Jorge Masvidal and Dada 5000 and, and all those guys. But there is such a big community of backyard brawlers and bare knuckle fighters and 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 just guys that flat out enjoy a good scrap in Florida. Um, so to me, it made sense. Um, the part that... that kind of threw me through a loop was the fairgrounds. Mm-hmm. But then I saw the venue, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, this makes sense. This yeah, makes they did sense. amazing but with it. I thought – yeah, I thought it was going to be like – when they said fairgrounds, I assumed it was going to be like it was in Mexico. And in Mexico, they did it in a baseball stadium, which turned out really well. I'm not, mm-hmm. not downing the show in any way, shape, or form, but when – when I heard fairgrounds, I was thinking, "Oh, fuck, another outdoor show." It was ninety-five <laughs> degrees at the last one. We're in Florida, in June or July or whatever it was. You know, like <laughs> here we go again. Um, but no, it was great, man. It it turned out fantastic.
0: I think the the second ever live MMA fight I went to was outside a um, it was like a mugs and jugs. It's in the parking lot. <laughs>
1: that sounds great that no sounds like i'm fantastic. sorry
0: it was, it was tilted kilt that's what it was um, oh
1: even better even better dude i've been to a fair amount of shows that were that had their way-ins at tilted kilt but mm-hmm. i don't think i've ever, ever had a show at a tilted kilt <laughs> it was
0: outside it was hot well it was february so it wasn't as bad but you know we did another show a few months later in in june in florida
1: not, not good. Uh-huh. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> I do, I yeah, I I do not envy you, man. Like I said, I live here in Oklahoma, and I work outside sometimes, uh, and I it drives me nuts. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm usually not this, I don't know, red. I guess that's the way. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm a thoroughbred white person. I grew up in the Midwest. I do, I. Very rarely look this color. Yeah, see, you know what you're, you know what I'm saying. Um, but yeah, so like it's to be outside and to be in the heat all day is miserable. To then turn around and do it at night for a show, it's it's tough. It's tough to put on a good show that way. Well, absolutely. So, and it's
0: I've I've seen some weird things. <laughs> I went to a card once, and the people from the Swamp People guys were there. Um, okay, the, right. Yeah, the TV show. And the fight card went from nine fights to like four. <laughs> so the show was like an hour and a half max. Yeah. And it was in the That's parking never... lot of like a family fitness, so.
1: Oh, yeah. Cheap rentals, you know, why not? Whatever works. That's the so. best venue set up. I had a buddy that wanted to run shows in a strip club parking lot, and I was like, count me out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, before I forget, because you talked about working outside, if anybody follows you on social media, what happened the other day with your close call and the nail
1: gun? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, Well, here. I don't know. I'll see if I can... Anyway, I... So I shot myself in the fucking leg with a nail gun. That's how that happened. Um, so we were we were, re- we were remodeling a doctor's office and I was facing this direction messing with something I don't remember and my <clears throat> I don't know what you would call him my boss basically mm-hmm. um, you know it was like hey Tom, hand me my nail gun So I was looking around looking for it and it was behind me so I turned around and I reached for it like this. Well, his gun, usually on a nail gun, it has like a, a safety mechanism where you have to put pressure on it before you can pull the trigger. Well, his safety mechanism broke. <laughs> so, as I, so, as I turn and reach for the gun, my thumb hits the trigger as I grab the handle. And it goes off and shoots me <laughs> right in my fucking leg. Um,. But if anybody knows anything about uh, nail guns, they blow out a big burst of air. So I just felt a big burst of air hit me in the crotch, and I double over, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" Like, I think I just shot myself in the, you know. Um, And luckily, it was just like, it was off, and it was in the thigh, you know. But it was it was an experience I won't forget for a long time. But that's what happened. Um, I sorry to bring
0: that up again.
1: Thinking. No, no, it's fine. Like it's, it was, it was an experience. I'm sure I'll laugh at every time it comes up on my reminders every year. Um, but yeah, I just I wasn't thinking, and I used this gun. Like I've been working with the guy for months. I use his gun all the time. I know it doesn't have a trigger, but for whatever reason, I just wasn't thinking, and grabbed it, and that was all she wrote. So that's what happened. I shot myself about. That far from my manhood with a three-inch nail. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was a big – it was a framing nail, you know, three, three three-and-a-half inches. I think they call them a 12-gauge or a 16-gauge, something like that. That's nuts. It it was an experience. (laughs) Sorry for
0: the terminology. (laughs) I guess nuts would be a bad one to use.
1: (laughs) I didn't even pick up on that, but I find it quite punny after the fact.
0: (laughs) Dad jokes for life, man. Dad jokes for life. Oh, so I want to kind of talk about before I get you know into your backstory, but what I wanted to tell you was I remember being backstage after your fight with Julian, and it astounded me more than anything how many people tried to come up and give you fist bumps. <laughs> and yeah, the look on man. your face like, are you serious? Like look at my hand.
1: Like, okay. Yeah, you know it's so. I I love people and I hate people, and I think I just have learned to appreciate them after all of it because it's like that's one of those situations where they just don't think. It's like when people come up and shake your hand, mm-hmm. and it's like stop, like like I'll hit you with the elbow, you know, but like a fist bump and a handshake are no go for a week after a fight and you're coming up to me 15 minutes later and wanting to, you know, yeah, man, let's get, it's like, stop. Yeah, that was an experience. I just remember
0: seeing that look on your face like, I'm gonna be nice, I'm gonna be nice, I'm
1: gonna be nice. (laughs) 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 Like I said, at, at, at this point in everything, the only thing that I can really be is grateful, you know? I, uh... I enjoy fighting, and I'm incredibly fortunate that I get paid to do it, and that people enjoy watching me fight, and that if that means that they want to come up after the fight and you know give me a fist bump, like, are they thinking clearly? No, but are they out to harm me? Absolutely not. So no. I can only just I can just show appreciation and go from there.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and you know the one person who probably isn't all there after that is you.
1: So you're like, come on, man. You know, yeah, I tried to uh <clears throat> that fight in particular was pretty rough, man. I had uh, I don't know what happened, to be honest with you, but after the fight I went back in the locker room and I started to get real cold and shaky and I had to wind up wound up having to go stand outside for like fifteen or twenty minutes in the sun, and let like my body heat warm back up or my body my core temperature come back up, whatever the case may be, but I was not in good shape after that fight, man. I took a lot of damage and uh, I'm I'm fortunate that I made it out in one piece. <laughs> you landed that pretty sweet uppercut in the fifth, so that was pretty nice. You know, that was like my rally cry. You know, it's like, give me one more round. Give me one more round. I'm back in this. <laughs> Not so much. What are you going to do? Listen. Like I said, it was a learning lesson, you know, and when you start slow and you start late and you don't come prepared, that's what's going to happen. So, Well, there's
0: so many fighters that do that. You know, they've been in championship fights their whole life. You know they end up in a non-title fight, and they're used to giving those, you know, two and a half rounds to be like, okay, I'm I'm getting into this, I'm gonna take control, right. and then they're like, oh right. shit, I got five minutes left.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's a, it's funky, man, because we train for hours. You know, like we, we really do. Like when you're at the gym, it's like an hour of this. And then an hour of the, like, if we're training for an MMA fight, it's usually 30 to 45 minutes of grappling, 30 to 45 minutes of wrestling, 30, to 45 minutes of striking, sometimes even longer, you know, so we're training for an hour and a half, two hours at a time. Um, so you're used to that long term endurance, hard burn, but it kind of takes you a little while to get there. And when you're in the back, and you're kind of low on calories or you haven't you haven't been eating as much as you should be or you're nervous about blowing your wad before you get out there you don't really warm up or your train as 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 well as you would in other circumstances so it's kind of like playing catch up mm-hmm. and it's it's just difficult you know so it's one of those things that you would think that I would have a better gauge on you know 12 years into this but I'm still working on it
0: and and I can only speak from experience doing jujitsu. jitsu um, having our last guard pass night and wearing a mask the entire time you're rolling.
1: Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. And <laughs>
0: you do four 10-minute rounds, and it's basically like, almost like a King of the Hill style. Like, someone comes up, you pass them, okay, you go, next person, next person. Yeah, 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 just, we do
1: something very similar. At the
0: end of the four, the fourth round, I was laying face down on the mat. I was like, I am yeah. exhausted. <laughs> absolutely right
1: no doubt about it now imagine burning that much energy and exp- having that much of an output output in 10 minutes yeah right it's, it's very different you know so it's one of those things that you you got to train for and you got to train for properly and i'm i'm learning that as i as i mature and i think
0: that's you know fighting is something you either get or you don't i don't feel like there's an in between sometimes it's like something Um, like you said, you have to be that person that's always ready to be learning, you know, even 12 years into it, you still have Mm -hmm. that mental awareness to say, I still have
1: things that I need to learn. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's what it's, I think it's, I think it's twofold. I think it's definitely something that you either have or you don't regardless of, of talent or drive or heart or hard work. Like you can either fight or you can't, Mm um, and then I would say on, on top of that, like you were saying, the, the, the learning process, you can't ever be in a position where you feel like you know it or you've got it or you're, you've figured it out because you haven't. Like you, you haven't. You never will. You can keep trying and you might get close, but you're never going to have it all. So keeping that mentality in mind and not not beating yourself up continuously because you don't have it all, it helps. It helps keep you in keep you in a, a good position mentally.
0: And I think that's a good thing for people going forward, or somebody who's wanting to get into, you know, becoming a fighter. Because it isn't just okay. I'm good at you know. I can hold my own in a street fight or I can hold my own here. You know, you've got to have that discipline, and you've got to have that. You know, take a step back and really listen to what other people are trying to help you with.
1: I think that. Yeah, you know, and I think that that's something. That mentality is something that crosses over in every aspect of life. If you want to be successful, you know, regardless of whether or not you're fighting or you're trying to be a carpenter or a plumber or a vet tech or you know whatever, as long as you you keep in mind that you you always have to learn, you always have to get better, and that at no point do you know it all, and that. You you should be you should be pretty good and you should be able to excel and exceed expectations just because you've kept in mind that you probably don't know shit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think if everybody just walked around with that, I think the uh, world would be in a better place.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe you know. Way too many people are feel justified in their opinion when it's just that it's an opinion, and it's like, come on now, slow down. Slow down. <laughs> Anywho, moving on. Let's I don't want to talk shit about the world. I can barely keep my own house clean. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you mentioned, you know, fighting for twelve years, so I kind of want to go back to the beginning. Like, where did okay. it start and where did you know, you know, I this is what I want to do? Like, this is what I want to try, and you know, what was that
1: driving force behind it? <laughs> to be honest with you, man, I kinda got bullied into it. Um, I, uh, (laughs) I'll start all, I'll start way back. Um, I was like a freshman in high school and I got in a fight with this kid. It wasn't even really a fight. I punched him one time, um, and hurt him pretty bad (laughs) and, uh, got put on probation. So then, yeah, so then I was the kid who could fight, but I was on probation and then I couldn't fight because... I was on probation. <laughs> so then I got I got bullied. I got picked on all the time. Like every day it was this football player, that football player, this fucking guy, that guy. So like I just got picked on. I got bullied from freshman year until junior year. Two years of this shit. Well, from sophomore year to junior year, I put on 40 pounds and grew six inches. So junior year, I showed up at school fucking six foot, 180 pounds, and I was just smashing assholes, dude. Um, I went after everybody. I just said fuck it. Um, finally got to the point where I got expelled. Uh, got sent to like this alternative school. Got kicked out of that school. And you know, my mom was like, "Look, like you, like I don't know what you're doing, but like if this is what you like to do, then." be constructive with it figure out a career path do something with it because school is obviously not working and you know working a regular job obviously isn't going to happen so try to do something so just before just after i turned 18 i started uh i started training i started training in january of what would that be 2007 Jeez. roughly yeah yeah and um I fought in May. I had my first fight in May of two thousand seven. And the only reason I had that fight was because I was telling people I was training and I was telling people I was a fighter, but I had never actually fought before. <laughs> so people were like, Well, hey man, like when are we gonna see you fight? Like well, you know, when's this going down? So I was living outside of Chicago at the time. I got a fight in small town. Muncie Indiana which is about an hour from Indianapolis it's like as far away from Chicago as you can get to get a fight and uh, and, and and I won I and I like I said I I just kind of stuck with it I had a lot of f- friends that were fight fans that thought it was really cool that I fought um, you know I had a lot of people who I had issues with in the past now suddenly had suddenly had a different respect for me so to speak or fear mm-hmm. whatever the case is um But I noticed that after I started taking strides to better myself, even though it was fighting, people kind of had my back. They were, you know, they're they were on my side after that. So that was pretty much where it started. Like I said, man, I kind of got bullied into it. I got in one fight when I was young, and and then I was the kid to beat up and couldn't defend myself. And then it was well. Now I've defended myself too much, so I need to do something constructive with it. And I turned 18 and started my amateur career, and I think I went pro. December 2012? Yeah, that would be the one. So just before I turned 21, maybe? 23? I don't fucking know. I'm bad at math. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, yeah, I had a five-year career, amateur career. So yeah, 23? Um, and then I went pro, yeah, December, had my last amateur fight in November, went pro in December, and then didn't fight again until September, because I needed to take some time off, like, that needed to happen, um, and I needed to get better, you know, like, it was one of those things where once you, you make that leap, uh, there are a lot of holes that need to be fixed, and, uh, that was the time here to do that, but. Again, to bring this thing full circle, how I got started, man, was I was just a shitty kid. <laughs> like, that's the long and the short of it. I was just, I was, a sh- I was a shit talker and, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't very big. Like I said, I mean, I'm still only, you know, I fight at 155. It's not like I'm a big dude now. Um, but when I was wrestling freshman year and sophomore year, wrestling at 145 and then coming in junior year and wrestling at 179, Whoa. you know, like the yeah it was a big change and you know when you jump up six inches it's like all right who wants it you know um so yeah so that's how that's that's where i got my 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 thirst so to speak uh my first taste and it just kind of carried on from there man i uh i've created a lifestyle out of it and i think that's probably one of the more interesting
0: things that i've heard about how it got started, because even your mom was like, you know what? If you're gonna keep doing this shit, like, be productive.
1: So right? Yeah. Like, do something with it. Shout you know? out and to that mom. Probably, <laughs> yeah. That. You know, that she comes to all my fights, man. She she always has my back. She's always supporting me and making sure that I'm doing the right things and and making sure that my career's on the right path. I've got good people in my corner, stuff like that. Like, my mom is absolutely my biggest fan, and I couldn't be more grateful for it. Uh, she's been she's been there. Through everything, I mean shit. Since the day I was born, I known her my whole life. You know, <laughs> uh, so she uh, she's been she's been great, and I, I've been incredibly blessed to have somebody in my corner like that.
0: And I think that's really cool that she has been a driving force for that because she had the control at that point to have guided you to a completely different direction. You know, that conversation could have been yeah. cut it out, get a real job
1: absolutely absolutely but you know the the cool thing about my mom is she's never been a uh, she's always been one to think outside of the box I guess you could say you know she's never been like restricted by guidelines um and she's always had to hustle she's always had to she, she you know she she's a single mother with four kids you know like oh, she's always had to 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 make sure that her kids were fed and work and you know, she's always had to hustle so she's always she's always been supportive of ways to make money legitimately that that aren't mainstream. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, when, when I started getting into all of my nonsense in high school, that was right around the time that the UFC started to get big and, you know, the ultimate or the, yeah, the ultimate fighters started coming out and that was really starting to, to pop and everybody was interested in it. So it was just, it was just, you know, all the stars aligned and it worked out. It was, she told me, you know, find a gym, stop fucking off and do something with it. And, well, I did, yeah. and here we are. Well <laughs> so again, like I said, I've, I've been incredibly blessed to have, to have a, a, a forward-thinking mother like that that didn't try to confine me to to a, a box.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So shout out to Tom's mom. <laughs> Damn right, mom. So going through, you know, you had the three fights at Bare Knuckle. Uh-huh. I haven't seen you fight since then. What have I you haven't been fought doing? since
1: then. Let's say, so what have you been doing? Um, well, I, uh, I was looking to get, well, I'm going to, yeah, I'll do it. I'm going <laughs> to talk a little shit about Barry, I'm going to talk a little shit about Barry Knuckle real quick. Um, and it's not really like, not really their fault, but I'm still going to say it anyway. Um, so I fought for them when I first signed with them, so to speak. Uh, they told me it was three fights, three mm-hmm. fights and, and then we would go from there. So the Julian Lane fight, I was sitting at one and one, and basically, I it was I you know should have get off the pot time. Mm -hmm. Uh, I knew that, and I knew going into that fight that if I lost that fight, I probably wouldn't be asked back. Not because of performance, but because of record. You know, Mm -hmm. like they want guys that win, and I understand that. Like this is a fighting sport. You know, Mm -hmm. like they want guys with good records. I I get it. So I knew going into that fight that it was it was either way for me. Afterward, when they told me that we got fight of the night, um, I sent David a message and I told him, I said, "Hey, you know, thank you for everything. This has been great. I've had fun. Um, you know, uh, I would love to be on a future card. Let me know if you're still interested in, in in having me fight, so on and so forth." He said, "Absolutely. Things would you know, everything would be wonderful. We're going to bring you back. That was in June, so we're going to bring you back in August." Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, I was on two, four, and six, so I figured eight, we'd be, you know, let's just keep the pattern going. (laughs) Well, August turned into September. September turned into October or November. Mm -hmm. November turned into early 2020. Early 2020 turned into February and then March, and then all the nonsense happened. And now we're sitting in June. And again, it's not their fault. You know, like, Things come up, they have new signs, they have new signees, they've got new fighters. I understand the logistics of it, but don't keep me on the edge of a string just tugging me along when I could be going other places and making money, Mm -hmm. you know, like that is is my career outside of my day job, which I make decent money, but it's not stellar. It's not bare knuckle money, you know, Mm -hmm. so it's like it's not it's not fight money just plain and simple you know so it it kind of pissed me off that they kept stringing me along like oh next month oh next month oh next month oh next month and then with recent events it's kind of been happening again so it's like like man like you guys you guys are really starting to push my fucking buttons here but the reason I haven't fought in a year is because i was kind of on this waiting list for, for, for BKFC, waiting for them to pull the trigger and send me a new contract, which was my own fault. you know. Like They never gave me any guarantees. I can't put anything on them. But that's where I've been for the last year. Um, I took some time off after the Julian fight. I took about a month off and let everything recoup and recover. I spent a lot of time working on my jujitsu, jitsu uh, a lot of time working on my jujitsu. Um, so that's been, been fun. Um Back in December, I moved down to Oklahoma. I was living in Gary, Indiana. Um, and then I got I got bit by a damn spider, and it put me in a hospital for seven days. <laughs> and um, yeah, yeah, it was ridiculous. Um, so I got bit by this spider, put me in the hospital for seven days, basically went broke after that, and moved down to Oklahoma and started over, Mo- started working with my original boxing coach, uh, the guy that I was working with 10 years ago when I lived down here um found a new mma team found a new management i shouldn't even say a new management team well found my first and only management team thus far i've me and my old coach were basically managing my career before this um so you know i've kind of i'm what i've been doing over the last year is turning over a new leaf and preparing for the final leg of my career um i'm 31 years old and i've got miles on me uh, like i like i was saying before you know i I've had 13 career wins and 14 career performance bonuses. Mm -hmm. Like, my fights are action packed and I take damage and I'm getting older. So, I've got, if I'm lucky, six more years of this, you know? Like, if I really take super good care of myself, I can do this for five or six more years. So, I moved to Oklahoma in December and I've been working on. Pouring the concrete of my foundation, so I can start building my empire. That's where Tom's been at for the last year.
0: That was. I, I feel like we could just end right there because nothing is going to compare to that right there. <laughs> well, I'm glad the, you
1: liked. Glad you liked it. <laughs> it just reminded me of John Wick for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> you know, I used to have long hair and a goatee, and well, I worked at a strip club, so I had to wear a suit. But everybody called me John Wick, so. I'll take it. You're just you're just filing right along with the curve, man. I'm with it.
0: And now a word from our sponsors, EpicJittees.com and Anchor FM. Stay tuned. Hey, you guys, want to take this moment to give a shout out to EpicJittees.com? They've been doing really great work with us and really helping promote um, and you know do everything for the show. So if you go ahead and go to EpicJittees.com. Enter promo code QUIGS, that's Q-U-I-G-G-S, at checkout to get a discount. You can also purchase a Quiggin' Out MMA podcast shirt of your own, along with plenty of other designs of rash guards, all sorts of things. So check them out. Thank you so much. Now back to the show. That's fantastic. And so the next leg of your career, you said you have about six years left. It's kind of funny because I'm 31 too,
1: so I was like, hey, Check that out. Perfect.
0: Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't have see, the mustache perfect. skills.
1: You can grow it. It's okay. It'll. It comes with time. If it, If it's any consolation, dude, this is about as much hair as I get on my chin and my jaw, ever. <laughs> so you know, it just, some it just people gravitates. Just it goes up. Precisely. You know, it goes out really. But <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, it's just, some people just don't have it, man. Like I just, I couldn't grow that if my life depended on it.
0: Yeah, and this is. Like three days post cut. Like I think this was like Thursday evening.
1: Yep. No, nope, not. This is a year and a half. That's what this is. That's, <laughs> That's all I got, man. I always
0: try to do. I was like, you got the Uncle Creepy mustache back there, and then Eddie Weinland uh, no, with his
1: perfect. Eddie, I tell you what, Eddie is the reason I have mine. Eddie started the Mustache Mafia about four or five years ago. Back when Uncle Creepy first started doing his, mm-hmm. and it might have even been longer than that, to be honest with you, but Eddie and I used to do strength and conditioning together in Indiana. Uh, we trained together pretty frequently, things like that. So when he started the Mustache, <laughs> mustache Mafia back up, um, he essentially asked me to join, and I could not say no. Like yeah, right. It was the coolest mustache I had ever seen, and he made it work. <clears throat> so. I grew my mustache and I cut all my hair off, and I joined the mafia because of Eddie. So,
0: so I have, I'll a, have to
1: send. I'll have to send him this video, and we'll chop this up, and he can tag it on his Instagram or something.
0: Heck yeah, man! <laughs> so this event was the first live UFC I ever went to. It was down in Sunrise, Florida, and okay. I'm not gonna name a name, but I was scheduled to do an interview with a fighter. So we got down to Fort Lauderdale or Sunrise at like 10 a.m. for a 6 p.m. card. So we got down there a little early. A little bit, yeah. So I'm texting this fighter and he goes, oh man, I thought you were kidding. He goes, I'm not doing an interview today. And I remember going, I hope you get knocked out. (laughs) And he fought Eddie that night. And Eddie knocked him out.
1: Fucking fantastic! And I just it went. Sounds like Jorgensen. Was that Jorgensen? This probably fucking <laughs> Jorgensen.
0: I didn't fucking say it. Party. I didn't say it.
1: That's fantastic. I I can appreciate the hell out of that. I actually talked to Eddie quite frequently about that fight because he he according to Eddie that was the best Eddie Eddie has ever been. So. Um, Which is cool for I'm me glad to have been that able it, to see I'm, I'm that. Glad that. Yeah, I'm glad that it happened to a guy that fucking blew you off. Fuck him. He's an asshole.
0: <laughs> and Eddie, Eddie was actually one of the last guys I interviewed when I worked for the magazine before. And I did this great interview with him. And I think I'm going to start doing, like, the Lost Chronicles. Because the magazine went under <laughs> before they ever published it.
1: Ah, uh, that's tough. That's tough. You should totally find that in... in, in you know, renew it, bring it back out, and show people what they're missing, man. That's that's a cool idea. I like Absolutely. it. Absolutely.
0: Well, I've been lucky enough to be with Combat Press. It's now six years, which is crazy, because they picked me up a few months after the magazine went down. I thought I was kind of done covering the sport. Um, yeah. I reached out, and they said, hey, we're looking for writers, and, you know, just send in some of your stuff. And so I sent in, like, five or six, and they, like, they replied back within, like, ten minutes. They were like, all right,
1: come on <laughs> board, so you Let's go. So, That's great, yeah, I think man. i That's gonna fantastic. start pulling it's out nice some to have that kind of security, you know.
0: And it's it's what I do. Like you know, what fighting is for you, this is for me. You know, I have a day job. I I wish I could do this full time, but anyone mm-hmm. in the MMA media will tell you this is not a sport where you make a ton of money on either side. Yeah,
1: man. Oh well, yeah, it's it's really not. It's one of those things that you got to do it for the passion. That's the long and the short of it. You got to enjoy it because. You're not going to make a tremendous living off of it no. unless you're you know, in the top tier. But, you know, that that's – I guess you could say that's the same for any prof- pro- profession or career. Um, but there are certainly way better ways to make your money than fighting and or covering fights. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but like you said, you got to do it because you love it. And I do it because of the stories. Like – You and I have never had a conversation before, but I feel like we've been talking for years, so I really love that dynamic, and I know I'm going like fourth fourth wall with this.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I never really thought about it like that, but yeah, you know, there's a... There's a certain camaraderie inside the community, you know. You, can, you don't have to actually be in someone's physical presence to, to understand their side of the story because we were all there. We all saw it. We all experienced it, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I like that. That's, that's a gnarly way of looking at it. I'm going to have to hold on to that. <laughs> so, you've got the six years
0: left, ideally. We don't want to put yeah. a timestamp on it. Are we going back to MMA? Because you said you were working on your jiu-jitsu. So I'm curious about that.
1: Oh, yeah. You know, like I got – so I got my brown belt um, a little over a year ago. I think I got it – I think I got it last December. Okay. Maybe before that. Yeah, so a little over a year, a year and a half ago roughly. Um, And that's been like a big milestone for me. And I'm really – I was really excited when I got it. I was really proud of myself when I got it. And then, uh, I, you know, it was one of those things that I – so anybody who's – I don't know if you guys know this about me. You probably might not know shit about me, but I like to strike. I like to punch people in the face. That's what Tom likes to do, um, even in MMA fights. Like I don't really do t- – precisely, you know, I don't really do takedowns. I don't throw a bunch of kicks, knees, elbows, you know, not too much of them. You know, I I, I, I just want to punch. I just want to punch you in the face. Mm-hmm. Um. But in MMA, it's mixed martial arts. You got to be able to wrestle. You got to have jujitsu. You got to have all that stuff. And the further my career progressed in MMA, um, the the more the glaring inadequacy in my grappling was showing. And I had to address it. I had to, you know, I had to do something about it. So I took a step back and I decided, all right, you know, I'm just going to train jujitsu. I'm going to train my grappling. I'm going to get better. And we'll go from there. And it was right about the same time that I went to the – that the Bare Knuckles show had their first show in – or BKFC had their first show in Wyoming. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I I was – I cornered uh, AJ Adams on that card, and I had another buddy of mine that was supposed to be on that card, Uh, two buddies actually that were supposed to be on that card. So I was out there dealing with the show as it was. I wound up volunteering to fight one of my training partners that night because they needed to fill the card and it didn't happen. But they liked it so much that they pulled me onto the next card. So it worked out really well that I was still able to fight and make money and train my jujitsu. So mm-hmm. that's really where my my BKFC career fell into, you know, was I was able to train, I was able to fight, I was able to get better and still make money, but I was also able to do the things that I needed to do to get my MMA game where it needs to be. Um, so then on top of that I moved down here to Oklahoma because you know like I said I've got a brown belt in jiu-jitsu. I've got a really good jiu-jitsu game. But my wrestling isn't that great. Like I've got subpar high school wrestling and that's like at best, you know. So <laughs> but so I came down here because it's it's fucking Oklahoma, you know. It's the the wrestling capital of the world practically, and the gym that I'm at it's called American Elite here in Oklahoma City, and uh, the one thing that they do exponentially well is their MMA. They marry their grappling and their striking together really well, and that's the biggest hole in my game. So to to make a long story longer, yes, I'm absolutely planning on getting back to MMA. I absolutely that was one of the reasons why I picked up uh, my new manager uh, with you know TKO Combat Sports and, and uh, management. They uh, they work with a lot of they actually uh, they work with a lot of UFC guys, a lot of Bellator guys, Legacy guys. They've got a really good stable of fighters, and um, and th- they have what it takes to get me to to the next level. So. I absolutely want to get back to the MMA game. I absolutely want to get back into that realm. Um, but I'm also at a point in my career where stupid fights don't make sense. So if they're not paying well or if the fight just flat out <laughs> doesn't make sense, mm-hmm. then I'm not going to do it. Um, and I've been fortunate to be in a position recently where I haven't really had to take many fights that don't make sense. Um I am in a position now where it's, I just want to fight again. You know, it's been over a year and I'm just, I've, I'm rested. I'm recovered. I'm, I'm so rested. I'm anxious. I'm so recovered. I'm beyond recovered. You know, it's like, I'm, I'm over rested at this point. I need to get back to work. I need to get back to training and I need to get back to doing things that I have been doing for the last 12 years, you know, 13 years. Mm -hmm. It's, that's, that's what I want to be doing, and that's that's what I intend on, on doing. So, yeah, the next four or five years, six years are going to be filled with all kinds of fights. Boxing matches, bare-knuckle boxing matches, MMA matches, anything and everything that I can get my hands on. Because, like I said, I don't have much time, man. I'm, I'm, I'm running out of time, and, and I need to fight. I need to make money. I need to do stuff so that I uh, – well, so I have enough money to not have to do anything anymore. <laughs> that, that's really the goal, you
0: know? Well, I mean, I think that's a good way to look at it. And I think, you know, 10 years ago to tell somebody, I'm going to bare knuckle, I'm going to box, I'm going to do MMA, they'd probably say you're insane. Um, but also, t- what, 27 years ago when the <gasps> UFC came on, everybody thought that was insane. You look back
1: at those first fights and you're like, this is ridiculous. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I remember the first time I ever saw a UFC card. I uh, I was at family video. That's how old how long ago this story was. Uh, a family video and I saw I don't remember which card it was. I it might have been UFC 1 to be honest with you because it had that that tall bastard with the kickboxing pants on. <laughs> anyway, um So I see the cover, and it's a blue cover, and it's got a dude all flexed out with a belt. And I'm like, oh, wrestling. So I reach down and grab it, and I flip the back over, and it's a bunch of guys in karate outfits. So I'm thinking, oh, shit, this is like a kung fu movie. I'm going to (laughs) check this out. So I rent it. I go home, pop it in the VCR. Yeah, VCR. Yeah, kids, VCRs. And uh, and, uh, so I pop it in the VCR. We start watching it, and my mom comes in sees – it's like halfway through the second match. She sees people just getting pulverized. And she's like, what are you guys watching? My stepdad goes, oh, Tommy rented it. There's a bunch of guys beating the hell out of each other. My mom freaked out and made me turn it off. And I never saw another UFC again until I was like 14 years old, 15 years old. Oh, my God. Pissed me off. Yeah, yeah, like I said, I remember – my very first UFC experience—I thought I rented it from Family Video, thinking it was a kung fu flick—and it was not.
0: <laughs> no, we've we've talked about it on the show.
1: People um, thought we were fucking crazy.
0: We talked about it on one of the episodes before. I had a couple of my buddies on. The one of the guys that actually got me um, brought me into MMA the right way. So I, you know, we worked together at Best Buy of all places. Okay. And I had told him, I had mentioned that I watched fights, and he was like, ah. He's like, okay. He's like, come over to my house. I'm like, okay. Came over to his house. We'd watch Pride for like six hours straight. And he would go. That sounds
1: like a great six hours.
0: He'd be like, no, this fight's whack. No, this fight's whack. No, there's a good point in this one. Where you just got to wait till halfway through. Like, he knew everything about the fights. Like, he remembered all of it. It was so crazy to me. And uh-huh. I remember seeing, like, Igor Varchenskin <laughs> fight guys. <laughs> I was like, "This guy's gonna get killed." I said, "Look at him; he's tiny." Uh huh. And I just remember watching that. So I think the first UFC I bought, I bought a DVD because it was a little bit later. Was like UFC uh-huh. forty-eight or forty-six? I think it was forty-eight. And it was
1: Couture, it was Couture Liddell. Uh,
0: it was actually I want to say it was Chemo and Shamrock.
1: Ooh. Even
0: better. So, and then I just, I started buying them, you know, left and right. Cause it was like at the movie stop and they were like, buy two, get one free. And I'm like, okay. And I think it was the same thing. I've, I've thrown one punch in my life and I'm going to show everybody you. as embarrassing as this is, how this went. Uh. So I'm, it was like 10th grade girl had just dumped me kid on the bus, making fun of me. And I was just like, I've had it. I've had it. I got up, uh-huh. and walked up to him, and I went, and my hand opened before it hit him. Oh, and well, I looked, see you're just a little soul. And I looked That's at all. my hand, and I looked at him, and his face is like, that face like, oh, shit, I'm about to get punched. Uh-huh. And I just went, I guess you're not worth it. And I just sat down like nothing had ever happened.
1: That's pretty fantastic. That that might be better than my story. I gotta be honest with you. Like, <laughs> I
0: don't know about that. You gave
1: him the you gave him the palm of Buddha and just shut the whole Walk, thing down. Walks away. How how very kung fu hustle of
0: you. <laughs> oh, now I'm getting all blurry. Oh, I was like, whoa. Uh,
1: so that I love the... you. Hmm. I said that drinks affecting your computer.
0: <laughs> Listen, so I love that you brought up the brown belt because I didn't know that. And it was a perfect segue okay, yeah. for me to be greedy and talk about the fact Good. that two days ago, I got my blue belt.
1: Good for you, man. So, That's awesome. Congratulations.
0: I, uh, I've been on and off training since like 2013. And by on and off, okay. I mean like once every few months. <laughs> so, well, I, I know well, your type. Well, <laughs> so I worked. I did child welfare, and I didn't have time. Like okay. I never knew what time I was getting it off work. And then I worked at Red Bull. And I'd be working, I'd be getting up at quarter to four in the morning, and I'd be getting yeah. home at 7 p.m. at night. Fuck that. So I was like, I can't, nope. I can't tra- like, in my mind, nope. I'm like, I can't train. Like, it's
1: right. not going to happen. Yeah.
0: Um, so yeah. last year. Jan-
1: that's exactly how I would feel, too. Fuck that. i <laughs> like, I work 14 hours a day. Get out of here. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and uh, so last January, I was like, you know what? I'm finally ready to, like, I'm at a job where I can train, like, the gym's, like, eight miles down the road. So I really have no excuses. Mm. And I said, the first class I had, I said, I want a blue belt by next year. And I was like, okay, so now I have purple belt 2023. I think it's my next one. <laughs>
1: that's, a, that's a great goal, man. I'm glad. Did did you reach the goal? Did you make it by the time you yeah. expected so to make it? So I said, it? I would.
0: I said blue belt 2020. <laughs> so that was two days ago. So it's still like, I have the belt sitting on the table in the kitchen and I walk by and I'm just like, Still crisp
1: yeah built. yeah man that's great man good for you i i remember i remember my blue belt and it was the most unofficial ceremony ever um i used to run a gym i didn't really run it i did i ran a lot of classes there mm-hmm. um and uh my coach my jiu-jitsu coach at the time he showed up early for class and i had just finished up with uh the kids class he threw his gi on, and he was like, "You know, let's let's roll through rounds. Let's see how you're doing." I literally had zero stripes on my white belt at the time. I was training only MMA, was only in a gi like once in a blue moon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I'm pretty sure, no, I this was maybe like a year in a year into my pro career at this point. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, yeah, so that would have made me a a, a, a six year white belt. <laughs> and um Sounds familiar. He, uh we, yeah. <laughs> and so we just we started rolling around and uh we rolled around for probably 10 15 minutes and he got up and you know wiped the sweat and tied his belt and he goes buy a fucking blue belt. Turned around and walked away. That was my that was the entirety of my promotion. That was all she wrote. So That's impressive. I bought a man. blue belt. Yeah, you know I bought a blue belt a couple of days later and then uh it's all history from there, man. I, I, I made a, I made really good strides in my jiu-jitsu as far as belts are concerned. I went from blue to purple in less than two years, and I went from purple to brown in less than two years. That's insanity. So, yeah, I, I've made really good progress with my jiu-jitsu, and I'm really proud of it, man. And The gym that I'm at now, um, it's uh, Ricardo Cavalcante uh, affiliate, and uh, the – the gentleman that owns and operates the gym has a lot of exciting things coming up for his progression to his black belt, and I get to help him with that Mm. uh, seeing as I'm one of three brown belts at the gym, including him. Four. One of four brown belts at the gym, including him. Mm -hmm. So us and the other three brown belts get to help him work him up to his black belt and do his testing and all of that other stuff. So it's another – learning lesson that I get to look forward to over the next couple of months it's going to help improve my jiu-jitsu that much further and I'm really excited for it man like I never thought like I started training jujitsu because it was a requirement a requirement for MMA and now it's gotten to the point where like I just love training jujitsu. like I'll throw on the gi and train in a gi before I'll train no gi yeah. like I've got I've gotten that I've fallen that far for it. falling that hard for it, you know? Mm-hmm. Even though I still, like I said, have all intentions to get back to MMA, like, I'm a gi fighter over a no-gi fighter any day. <laughs> well, yeah, and I, I am too. And I think that's just because of lack of
0: wanting to do no-gi. Because I feel like it's like that, that moment from Talladega Nights where they're interviewing him for the first time and he just keeps going. And he's like, I don't, I don't know what to do with my hands. I
1: don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> I did that at a wedding one time. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, man. It was an experience. Anyway, um, yeah, you know, uh, I got caught off on the Talladega Nights. Um, (laughs) Where the hell were we? Gee versus no. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like, gee, I feel like, I feel like gee, I feel like you can play more in a gee. Mm-hmm. There's vastly like the amount of, of techniques are vastly varied. They're 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 different in all shapes and sizes and forms. There's so many different techniques that you can do. So many different guards you can play. Um, it's there's a wide variety of things that you can really do and play with in a guard. Whereas Nogi, because of the recent leg lock implosion has kind of turned into a one trick pony and that doesn't go as far as like competing goes cuz mm-hmm. i i don't eat in jiu-jitsu i'll be the first to tell you that i haven't competed in jiu-jitsu in years um, but just being at the dr- at the gym and training with people like even in the even in mma you know like we'll be in mma and I'll have a guy up against the cage in a full clinch, and he'll dive on my leg. And it's like, I'm going to punch you in the face. Like, yeah, this you is not a position. No. Just because we're a nogi doesn't mean that you can attack my legs. Like, I will hit you. You know, so it's, just, it's one of those things that I've noticed crossover dramatically into training is everybody wants to attack the legs, and everybody wants to play the waist-down game, which is fun. But as far as variation in your style of playing... That's why I enjoy gi more because it's it's just as likely that you'll wind up in a waist down battle as you will in a waist up battle, and and that's that's what's fun about it. You know, um, I don't like I don't like going to the gym and working the same four techniques with eight different people because everybody wants to attack legs or yeah. everybody wants to play you know fifty fifty guard or whatever the case may be. You know, like I like I like the gi because it's got more variation.
0: No, and I feel like Something. you
1: f- you feel things differently in a gi. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's it's a uh, it's wild, man. I always t- I always tell people that gi and no gi have this really good yin and yang thing about them because gi forces your defense to be impeccable. I mean, absolutely impeccable <laughs> because people got grip; they got shit that they can hold on to, so you can't pull out, you can't slip out. You got clothes on, so you can't slip out of stuff. Um, but your offense can get lazy for the exact same reason. You have things that you can hold on to, but you flip that over. No Gi is the exact opposite. Your offense has to be pinpoint precise and excellent because you can slip and slide and move and maneuver in ways that you couldn't do in a Gi. But your defense lacks be, for those same reasons. You know, So there's a lot of yin and yang to training both and to getting both sides of, of the coin, so to speak. But again, to – bring this thing full circle as far as playing is concerned i'm all about the gi just because i i like to play man it's it's fun for me when when you when you do bare knuckle boxing uh <laughs> jujitsu ju- looks a lot more like a sport than a fight you know it feels a lot more like a sport than a fight so i enjoy playing it quite a bit yeah and i think just people just don't understand Like, just the
0: the mental benefits. Like, put aside all the physical side of it, but the mental benefits. Like, you walk into that gym, like, you're not thinking about what happened five minutes ago. You're not thinking about what happened five years ago. You're literally in that moment, and then at the end of the night, you're like, you're driving home going, man, I wish I would have done this, or I had a really good role with this person, or, you know, something Mm -hmm. like that, so...
1: It's, it's Yeah, man, it's it's a lifestyle and it's it's life changing. You know, it's not one of those it's not one of those, you know one of those lifestyles that can go either way, you know, like either it could be good or it could be bad. No, if you go to the gym and you train jujitsu, your life gets better. I don't know what it is, I don't know if it's fucking magic, I don't know <laughs> why, but for whatever reason, like you go to the gym and you work out that Nonsense from the day in a completely safe and structured environment, and it's mentally healthy. Like it helps your mind, it helps your body, it helps your soul. Like it relieves tremendous amounts of stress. It, it, like I said, if you go to the gym and you train jujitsu, your life just gets better. Things just get easier. I used to teach a a six a.m. class, and nice. after yeah, man. Like, we do zombie classes here. We've got a 5 a.m. class now, and I gave that. I was like, no, nah, I'm not doing that. Like, But anyway, I used to teach a 6 a.m. class, and we would be on the mats at 6. We'd do technique until 625, and then it's live rounds until 7, Jeez. sometimes later. Yeah, so it's it's 30 minutes guaranteed live rounds. And after class is over, it never fails. Every time, I was like, all right, guys, jiu-jitsu done. The rest of your day should be easy. Cause it's true. Like if you get up at five o'clock in the morning and you got people trying to choke you to death by six thirty, nothing else in your day is gonna phase you. Nope. Nothing else in your day is gonna be difficult. And that's one of like the, that's one of the great things about jujitsu. Like I said, it just it just makes your life better, regardless of, or I should say, beside the fact that it's comp- incredibly healthy for you and relieves stress. Like it, it makes you tougher in the real world because you put your you you know that there are situations you can you can survive there are terrible situations you can be stuck in and make it out of and that confidence carries over into other levels of your life and it just it makes your life better man i'm, I'm a firm believer in that well
0: and what you said about magic if no one else believes this take a room take 10 people and let them train Within five minutes, they're going to be within three
1: inches of each other. Every single time, everybody yeah. gravitates yeah. right
0: towards the middle.
1: Absolutely, no doubt about it, man. No doubt about it. It's it, it's something special, man. It's it's a great thing. It's it has it has saved me in numerous ways, and I couldn't be more grateful for the path that I'm on, man. Even though I got bullied into it, it's it's worked out pretty well. <laughs> I mean that's that's
0: like the best bully story ever though. Like, oh I guess I guess I'll fight. Like I guess this is okay. Yeah,
1: you know like why not? I'll just see if I'm any good at this. This is ridiculous. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> so last but not least, I
0: want you to tell me your favorite thing about John L. Sullivan. Because we're we're not gonna just Bye, think
1: babe. Yeah. I'm going to put you on the spot, <laughs> well, man. Okay, I can give you two. Two things about Mr. Sullivan. Eh, probably three. But they they, they bounce off of each other. The first one would be <clears throat> John L. as a whole. His persona and his lifestyle was the archetypal man's man. He... he he worked at a farm, he, he worked on a steel mill, he he did any number of ridiculous amounts of jobs, um, he, he drank like a fish, even during training camp, like, got so bad that his wife would have to lock him in the barn, like, <laughs> I, I don't know if you know Scott Burt, or if you've talked to Scott Burt or not, but Scott Burt's got some excellent stories about John L. but anyway, um, you know, like, his lifestyle as a whole was just rugged and hard and difficult, and um and i appreciate that you know like i'm a firm believer that there's no progress without struggle and that man struggled you know and you know, he's gone down in history for it you know? and that's that's something to be commended for i appreciate the hell out of him for for that um the second and most obvious would be the mustache like the man's got a stellar mustache it's fantastic i'm looking at it right um, now so <laughs> <laughs> And I would say the third man is got to be the fact that he had three bare-knuckle fights. Three. He had, I'm pretty sure he had over like 100 boxing matches. Jeez. But he only had three bare-knuckle fights. And he's known as the bare-knuckle king. <laughs> you know, like... Like, how cool is that? You're like So it's, it's just like the, the man's legend speaks for itself. And if I had to break it down into what I like or respect about him the most besides his mustache would be just this all-around character, man. He's a guy who came from nothing and literally got his name in the history books as the best and baddest of all time when he only did it three times.
0: Like... Well, and looking at his boxing record dude was 47 and one 47 one two you know with two draws and one no contest like that's insane yeah yeah
1: you know like he was he's like I said I that's that's less fights than I thought he had I thought he had more but anyway more those fights, well that's that's matter. all that's that's the documented guy, the uh the, the, you know the guy was just he was a tough guy, just plain and simple. You know, he, he was your archetypal man's man. And as somebody who grew up without a father, I can speak from first-hand experience um, that somebody who just portrays the
0: machoism. Like,
1: yeah, you know, just like the, 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 the ideology of what it is to be a man for you – know, like like that's – it's I look up to it, you know, especially considering the guy went down in history, not for being like a brute or for being, you know, a, uh, a chauvinist or, you know, anything like that. Like he was an athlete. He was a competitor. He was a guy who struggled and he busted his ass. And now he's gone down in history as one of the best ever. And that's what I like most about John L. Sullivan.
0: And that's perfect. And then, of course, the mustache. Well, yeah, I, mean, I figured <laughs> the mustache had something to do with it. I didn't want to think that was the
1: only thing that came with it. No, but... oh, no, no, no. Yeah, no. He, like I said, man, he's he's a commendable human being, and he should be commended for it.
0: Well, I learned something new today. I hope everybody listening learned something new. Go look up John L. Sullivan. You won't find his fights on TV because you know, <laughs> that's...
1: they didn't have cameras. Well,
0: <laughs> he was fighting you know like the late eighteen hundreds to the nineteen hundreds.
1: <laughs> Yeah, man. Like, yeah, that's that's a different generation. And the cool thing about him, I, this is another information that I didn't know. Sorry to keep everybody listening for longer, but that gnarly mustache that he had, he would shave that off before his fights, because people, yeah, yeah, because people were dirty back then and they'd pull on shit. So anyway, he he was he was a a mustachioed less man when he fought. Which makes the the mustache that much more impressive. uh, Yeah, it really does. Um, (laughs) That's
0: one of the reasons, like, training I I try to keep the beard down, because somebody gets a guillotine,
1: I'm tapping from beard hair getting ripped out. (laughs) You know, if you let it get long enough, it's actually quite the submission defensive. Like, rear naked chokes and guillotines, I'll tell you what, I fought a guy, Tyler Combs. I had that dude in a head and arm triangle, and Two or three rear naked chokes, couldn't finish them. He would just tuck his chin, and I couldn't get under the beard. Man, it's just that 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 extra technique. <laughs> that's, that's
0: good to know for any you know. My whole goal was to compete as a white belt. So when, when
1: I got my belt, I was like, damn it, now I'm gonna have to compete as a blue belt. <laughs> so now your first your first competition is gonna be at blue belt. Yeah. Well, best of luck. <laughs> yeah,
0: we'll we'll figure out when that's gonna happen. It won't be anytime soon because.
1: Those two months uh, off. That's you, you get in there, man. Get in there. That's I tell people quite a bit because obviously I do a lot of coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can have you you've had no competitions as a white belt, and now you're a blue belt. You're going against blue belt competitors who have been competing their entire time as a white belt. You know, so it's like even though you guys both have the same belt, mm-hmm. you are at a huge disadvantage because they have way more competition experience.
0: Than
1: you. Mm-hmm. So. Find some smaller tournaments and, and get in there and get used to that, man, because it, it goes a long way. It goes a long way when you're uh, developing your game.
0: Oh, absolutely. So I appreciate the, the kind words because, like I said. Uh,
1: happy to help, man. Others, other than, you <laughs> One know, <dude> to
0: another. <laughs> other than, like, the few guys on Facebook and a couple friends, I was like, I was excited. My Even my professor said, oh, you're going to talk about getting your belt on your show, aren't you? Like it doesn't matter who you talk. To. Like I could have talked to anybody, and I've been like, "Hey, by the way, I know you didn't mention this, but I got my belt." Like,
1: <laughs> no, you have to do it, man. You have to do it. Like that is that is an accomplishment that very few people will ever achieve, ever. You know, like the, the regardless of how small the fight community is the uh, the amount of people that actually train in the fight community is even smaller mm-hmm. and then you take that to the level of people who actually proceed through belts like that's even smaller man you have done something that a very small community in the population of the world has done so you should absolutely be proud of that and tell everybody absolutely <laughs> so with that being said tom this
0: was an absolute pr- ah, pleasure i got through the whole show without stuttering now i'm like oh <laughs> that's
1: okay man that's okay
0: so, as as the shirt says, you know, I'm too busy Quigging out, you know. I like it. So, I love... So, thanks to Epic Jits Tees. Uh, I always got to thank my sponsor. You can actually get one of these shirts at their website. Use the promo code Quigs for a discount. Check out his other stuff. I love that Tiger King is probably the most normal thing that's happened this year. And there are a couple cool things on, on the site with that as well. Uh, thanks to Combat <laughs> Press for giving me this platform. And, Tom, thanks to you, man. This was... You know, I always say this was a great show, but, I mean, really, the concrete, the concrete foundation, you know, building your <laughs> empire. I think it was probably one of the coolest things I've heard, and uh, I really appreciate it, and I hope we get to talk again soon.
1: Thank you very much, man. Man, That means a lot. And, uh, yeah, I, whenever you want me back, man, you just let me know. I'm, I'm available, and I would love to be here and, and do this again. Well, Thank I, you for having me. I think I need to have the Mustache Mafia
0: so I can get Ian... We can get Eddie, and we can just make this, you know, all you guys make a yeah. me for not growing a mustache.
1: I think we should do that. I'll reach out to both of Well, I'll reach out to Eddie, you reach out to Ian, and we'll try to make this happen.
0: Oh, I definitely can make it happen. Episode one <laughs> of the show, I got the other John Jones, the one who everybody mistakes on Twitter. Really? <laughs> so he's got a pretty awesome mustache, too. If you do at John Jones, I got him, <laughs> uh-huh. and I got a Daniel Cormier, who's not... Daniel Cormier and another guy so that for me like the show is you know I just want it to be fun I want people to have a good time and like some of these stories you told today like